My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. It's so lovely to just reflect back on these things. And, you know, you would have interviewed hundreds of people now over the, over the years and, you know, so many different strategies, so many different geographies, so many different mindsets. What's resonated with you and what hasn't? This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Sharm and in this special episode, I've turned the tables to share the details of my own property journey with Selena Kilkarni asking the big questions. Not only will you hear about my property journey, you'll also gain insight into property investors' journey from passing thought to success, having passed 2.5 million downloads since its inception in 2017. Kukani and I swap seats for this episode where she fires the questions and I'm the one in the hot seat. While we initially met due to our shared love of property investing and discussing strategies, we've since formed a powerful friendship that involves a lot of property chat. While most of those discussions happen off mic, this one's a special treat for you, the listeners. I have become uh, a friend of Tyrone's over the last couple of years and I've had the pleasure of really kind of getting to know him at a grassroots level and he's, he's such an incredibly sweet human being and what Tyrone and I thought we would do on this podcast is actually swap seats, meaning uh, I'm going to actually put him under the spotlight and really after years of running the number one podcast for property in Australia, um, I want to really unpack what is it that he's learnt um, what has the journey been like and uh, where is the direction that he's headed now? So, Tyrone, welcome to your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Salida. I appreciate you being the person who could actually interview me because I'm not I'm not usually the, a, a person who can get behind a, a podcast and uh, just talk, you know, behind the scenes and stuff like that. I'm, I'm more of the interviewer. So, this is going to be interesting to see what happens. I think a really good starting point is just to really get you to explain why why did you start the podcast in the first place like what was the the motivation that's a really good question i look back at it and i think back to the story uh i think going back it's like back in 2015 2016 i, I was working in a full-time job in a in a job that i was actually 
loving and really really enjoyed you know in the sort of the building industry and I was within the marketing department there as one of the digital managers there and I really really was also looking for a way out as well too because for me even though I really loved what I was doing there I was also looking at every week and every month my paycheck was sort of just I guess hit the limit and I, I wouldn't be able to earn any more than what I was because that's what happens when you're working full time. The only way you can actually get an increase is to wait every year to get either a bonus or to increase by you know moving up a position and that was not going to happen because my boss was my next position up anyway. So unless he leaves and he'd been there for more than oh, 20 plus years, it was very unlikely that he was going to retire anytime soon and he was still young. You know, he, he's yeah, he's, he was still very, very young anyway. But what was really, really interesting was because I also was into a lot of podcasts and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts driving to work day in, day out and, you know, I'll pop in an episode or maybe sometimes two each um, each morning in, in the afternoon driving back from home and I, I'd gain a lot of wisdom from a lot of the pop, popular property podcasts out there. But the challenge that I faced was every single podcast I listened to was always about the how-to and really specific about people's property portfolios. They didn't really delve into the reasons why and also their story and it didn't tell it in a sort of a narrative form which is what property investory does differently is that we tell a story rather than okay let's just look at the facts and figures about you know how much your portfolio is worth how many properties you've got what's the rental income you're getting it's very technical very specific to sort of their property portfolio and that was sort of something that sort of went okay i, I like that i'm learning a lot but i'm not really resonating with a lot of these i guess podcasts because there's no sort of why behind it and I think the reason why a lot of these stories were not available is because no one actually really thought about doing it in that sense and because I was also listening to different podcasts such as like uh, Freakonomics or how I built this podcast and they're all narrated with very very successful entrepreneurs successful businesses businesses like Virgin like Richard Branson's um, you know people from uh, Microsoft you know people all those really really successful people who have told their story it really really resonated with me and it didn't necessarily talk about their numbers all the time it talked about their journey to actually get from you know a small company to where it is this multi-billion dollar company that they've been there and that's what I wanted to sort of portray um, in that sense was to get that kind of story and I thought oh I'll just wait about a year or two and see hope that someone might put it together but after waiting and waiting and, and having that idea of you know podcast in the back of my mind no one did it and I thought all right I'll give it a crack and see how it go because ultimately I think what I wanted to achieve was to learn something from all this as well because I had one an interest in in podcasting but also too I had a, a strong interest in property and I thought I'd combine those two together and see how that goes because then at the same time selfishly I can learn something without having to go and, and seek all these experts and attend their seminars and you know attend all their courses and so forth I could actually just invite them on and really ask them a lot of detailed questions that would be beneficial not only to me but also to the audience that would be listening as well and hence that's how it kind of started I, I just I, I really procrastinated for literally a year <laughs> without doing anything and I, I bit the you know bit the bullet and, and just really jumped into it and started just reaching out to a lot of the past mentors I've had in property people like Steve McKnight you know Brendan Kelly and so forth and they kind of just helped me uh, be able to sort of start that first initial interview and I was really scared because one of my first interviews was with Chris Gray <laughs> and uh, you know he's quite well known in in, in the in the property space and he's an expert in that sense and I can I was sitting behind in a dark room with the microphone and, and nervously shaking going you know 
I wonder what Chris is going to share with me. And um, he was such a lovely, lovely uh, guest to have on the show. And it kind of put me at ease when I actually interviewed him. And that's kind of where it all started, you know, having Chris Gray, then Steve McKnight and so forth, all these well-known experts. And it allowed me to be able to learn so much from that because I was still at the beginning of my property investing journey, even though I had um, invested into property, but not at the extent of all these well-known experts in the market. And learning from them and then sharing it just kind of opened up a whole new world to me. So that's that's kind of you know the backstory behind how it's got started. Yeah, I love that. Well, look, I mean, if we describe or talk a little bit about your style, you've got a very long form style in general. You know, very you tend to go very deep in terms of you know people's backgrounds, their stories, their why. You have basically just sought out people who were experts um, or property specialists in different strategies um, across the country. Um, I'm curious to understand like, you know, two parts. Number one, what was your kind of criteria or filter for having people on? And then the second part would be, you know, what would you list out as your top three lessons? I'll answer that first one. Whoever I could get on the podcast, I'd get them on. <laughs> okay, so no filter. No filter. Uh, I mean, th- yeah, there wasn't really a filter. It was more about, I guess, who who would I who do I know that you know was was successful in property? That was the first thing you know that they would have to have a, a some track record of building property portfolio because being a property podcast, you can't get anyone you know off the street and just interview about their story. I, I guess one of the, one of the main key things was that I wanted to tap into people well known in the market, especially those experts who have been appearing in media, have shared their stories, and that you know publicly well known, but also to that they'll be able to share a great story because ultimately um, we, we know a lot of successful investors who have large portfolios but they're not, I guess you can say, um, feeling confident to hop onto a podcast because a lot of them, when I interview them, they feel um, a bit shy. They say to me, look, you know, this is my first time to do a podcast but they've got like 20 or 30 properties, you know, in the portfolio and I usually just say, it's just a conversation, you know, we're just chatting, just learning a little bit about, it's like you're talking to your next, next best friend and so forth. And I guess that's that's what I really, really wanted to be able to share with people is that all the people that I've interviewed, they're everyday people, you know, even though they are in the media, they maybe, you know, have a very successful portfolio and so forth, they also live a very much of a normal life. The only difference is that they've just followed a very specific strategy, they've been very consistent with what they've done and they've also set very, very strong goals and they've just basically achieved those goals over a period of time. Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of these these well-known and, and successful property investors, they, they didn't have overnight success stories. They took many, many years but you know, it's what we see in the media that they portray that they've kind of had an overnight success story and I think that's what I want to unpack for people is that property investing or going through a property development journey or whatever you do in property it takes time and it, it is something that we or start to sort of unravel and see in these kind of different stories. So I guess in that sense, it was really um, looking for people who have had successful stories. I've reached out to a lot of people who have been featured in magazines, property magazines in the past. Um, and then from there, once I start getting a, a nice group of people on the podcast, you know, once we hit about 50 or 60, the word started getting out and then a lot of people start reaching out. And then, you know, I guess the rest is history from there because people start to know and they want to be featured on the podcast. So, a lot of people reach out to us and that's how we kind of started to um, get a lot of lot of people coming on and sharing their stories as well too. It's so lovely to just reflect back on these things and, you know, you would have interviewed hundreds of people now over the, over the years and, 
you know, so many different strategies, so many different geographies, so many different mindsets. What's resonated with you and what hasn't? It's really interesting because I guess my journey has also involved a lot over the last five years since I've been doing the podcast and also in my property investing journey as well too. And I guess when I first started, I interviewed a lot of people who had built up property portfolio and because when we first started back in 2017, as you probably remember, that was sort of at another peak or boom cycle um, in the Sydney market and probably across Australia as well too. And a lot of people were literally just, I guess, watching the growth of their properties that they bought maybe five, 10 years ago, literally double in price within a few months because that's what happens usually in the boom. It takes sometimes about 10 years for a cycle to, to happen and you don't know at which point in that cycle when your, your price of property or values go up. So what happened was I, I interviewed a lot of people who were buy and hold um, property investors and I learned a lot about those strategies. And one thing I didn't know when I first started was that you could actually buy a property and you know, with the capital growth that you, you, you gain from that investment or your portfolio of properties, you can actually draw that equity out to go and buy another property and that's how you leapfrog to the next one without having to nece- necessarily save but for another deposit because as everyone has told me, that was the one biggest thing is that the hard, the first property is always going to be the hardest because that's when you're saving for your first deposit. But once you get your first property and you get your second and third, it becomes a lot easier because I realized that you're actually using equity from the other property to leverage, to move on, leapfrog and, and so forth. And that's how a lot of property investors have been able to successfully buy 5, 10, 20 properties because they've used leverage and also, uh, let's say, the bank's money to be able to do that. Yes, there are additional costs and so forth to maintain and so forth. But if you actually do the numbers on the properties that you buy, uh, particularly a lot of them that I've heard in the past have bought properly positive invested properties, positive cash flow properties, they should be able to cover itself on a day-to-day maintenance perspective and therefore you should be able to just hold on to these properties. So I interviewed a lot of those and um, I guess when you compare the, the history of say 10, 20 years of properties back then when they're like literally half the price going back maybe two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars per property to now where it is over a million dollars yeah you go wow you know they could have bought five ten twenty of these quite easily nowadays i guess average property prices anywhere in the vicinity of a mill your strategy has to change because not many people can go and afford to buy five to ten of these kind of million dollar properties so i think that was the biggest thing that i learned back then was that it's possible to um, buy a lot of these properties, buy and hold them, and then basically draw the equity out and you know reinvest it and leapfrog to the next property. That was where I sort of start learning a little bit more about property investment, and that was one of the big kind of key aha moments because you go, oh wow, you know if you get enough of these over a period of time, 10, 20 years, it will double in value. But what I didn't know, and, and this is where I guess I had some limiting beliefs, was the actual um, sourcing of funds because. I was also um, interviewing a lot of people who were involved in property development as well too and I think I had a big, big fear back then. We're going, okay, if I actually go out and find a great deal, I'm worried that I will not be able to fund that particular deal because I had this limiting mindset. They go, I don't know anyone who actually has you know, a few hundred thousand dollars who would like to invest with me and, and trust me and, and put that in. And even if I go to my family and friends, I, I felt hesitant to do that because what happens if I got their money, put it into development and it didn't work. You know, all these kind of fears that bubbled up inside of me. Um, look at it today, I guess you can change it from five years ago to where my mindset is. I, I totally believe that if the deal is so good, the money will just flow. And that's what one of the property developers who I've been working with has been really successful. He's done like 30 plus million dollars worth of 
um, developments and have been extremely successful. His one key mon- mantra is if you're looking for money, if your deal stacks up really, really well, the money will follow. And it is so true because I, I've experienced it so much, you know, especially the amount of deals that I've brought. As soon as I, I share it with people, people will just go, wow, <laughs> i got to get in this and the money just flows. And I've done millions and millions of dollars worth of these already as it is. So that was one of the biggest fears that I had and, and that's completely changed because over the course of discussing and speaking to successful property investors, successful property developers who've done multi-billion dollar projects, um, it's it's the little it's that little thing that doesn't worry them that much because ultimately that will work. What I think their mindset is at the end of the day when I've when I've actually had these kind of longer conversations with them is that its key focus is eighty percent is in the mind. You need to actually focus on actually making the right mindset and ensuring that you fuel that mind with good positive things that are related to what you wanted to achieve, you know, fuel your goals, make sure you're always revising your goals and, and just focus on trying to see how can you do that because rather than asking, rather than saying, no, it can't be possible, say why or how can you make it possible? And that's one of the big, big things that I've also learned across my journey as well. Coming up after the break, Kilkarni dives into the deep end with a controversial question. When you interview, you know, as many investors as you have or experts as you have, uh, you know, some people's strategies are going to resonate and others are not. We discuss where investors may have the greatest success going forward. I believe we're entering a world uh, that's, you know, slightly turbulent or very turbulent and that there's a lot of uncertainty. She encourages me to share my tried and trusted strategy. Over the last 12 to 18 months, you've really personally honed in on, you know, one particular strategy that you believe to be very effective in the market. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, property investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1% to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a higher return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Kilkarni isn't one to shy away from hard-hitting questions. Trying her hand at investigative journalism, she pries into my thoughts on the range of strategies I've heard over the years. You know, when you interview, you know, as many investors as you have or experts as you have, uh, you know, some people's strategies are going to resonate and others are not. Have there been any instances where you've interviewed people and you've just thought, no, that doesn't make sense or I don't agree um, obviously, in the role that you've had, you're there to showcase rather than um, commentate. So I'd love to get some insights, some some secret squirrel insights. There's been plenty of times. I mean, I, I've interviewed over 300 guests already. So I don't know how many hours I spent on the podcast, but it's been a lot. <laughs> I could definitely say that. And and from all those experiences and speaking to so many people, I'd have to probably say in the first 
year or a couple of years, I, as you said, I was more showcased and um, really just sitting in the back and just listening and learning and so forth. And I didn't really commentate much because I wanted the people to shine. And even today, I do don't really say too much except if I do have something to add value to, I will add into the conversation. But a lot of times, I just sit back and yeah, let them just share their story. And some of the strategies I've heard, or actually most of the strategies I've heard have been making sense. And it is also, in my opinion, some of these strategies are very much what have been happening in the past that's worked. And a lot of them still do work in that's happened in the past, such as a buy hold strategy or buy and renovate and hold strategy, etc. But I guess you also need to have a look at what's happened in the current state of the market and how property prices have also changed as well too. And some of these strategies may not be as applicable as they were. So I guess what kind of changed in what my thought, my, my I guess mindset was because if I was to go ahead and start you know, from today's day one and start buying and holding properties, yes, that will work but that's going to take me anywhere between 10 to 20 years. I, I, you know, I'm still young but I'm saying if I, if I was to actually implement a strategy like that, I'll be waiting forever and I'll be having to continue to work to fund these kind of properties whereas having these further conversations with you, Selena, and also looking at alternative strategies, it's opened up a whole new world where you can actually accelerate and instead of not necessarily just buy and hold, but you buy and hold and also invest in alternative strategies to be able to accelerate the growth of your portfolio. So coming back to your question, one of the strategies that I still don't resonate too much is the buy and hold strategy because in order to be able to afford to buy that many properties, say you need 10, 20 properties, it will take you a while to be able to build that up and not only that, there's a lot of maintenance across it. You know, I recently interviewed another investor who had over 30 plus properties and it sounds glamorous all in all and he's making a lot of money, his property portfolio is doubling in value, he's got a lot of income come in but he said to me, there's so many headaches because you have to manage so many people, so many tenants, it, it just becomes you know, to the point where he actually had to have a full-time property manager within his own business to be able to manage all those properties and even though that, that you know it's successful and so forth, you have to also understand people don't reveal all these kind of behind the scenes of what happens in there because all these things that do happen is glamorous on the front. You know, great to have a multi-million dollar property portfolio, great to have all these tenants, all this income coming in. But when you look at the day-to-day operations of it, even though if you may have a property manager, every day he'd had he'd at least had two or three people calling about broken something that's broken. You know, and this is part of the maintenance of a property portfolio that you have to maintain. And over the years, speaking to different types of experts and different investors, a lot of them have decided, look, I'd rather put maybe my capital into, say, commercial property, which is where I start looking down to down further as well because, one, you can have longer leases, locking them in for longer term. You have stable income that's coming in because, you know, their, their business, you know, you don't have such a high turnover of that. And also on top of that, maintenance is very low because once they run their own business, they're responsible to maintain their properties as well too, ultimately at the end of the day. So I think it's a balance of, of both and I don't know if I can say a specific point right now but I have seen the ins and outs and I've also seen the ins and outs of property development as well and I've been through that process as well and yeah, it really, really depends on where your comfort level is and also depends on your risk appetite and furthermore, how much time you know and, and I think that's the key thing is if I was single without a family and I, I you know, had all the time to myself. I could definitely go out and, and you know buy 20, 30 properties and a lot of the stories I've spoken to from that perspective, yes, that's what a lot of those investors have done because before they had their kids, had their family, they just went out and bought a lot of properties but once they had children, family changes, all that kind of stuff happens, 
it's not i'm saying it's not impossible to do or near impossible but it is going to change impact where your trajectory is and i'm, I'm a good example because you know having kids and so forth like that also impacts and changes the way you can actually um spend time to invest as well so i guess you know i've kind of come gone a long round way to sort of explain this but ultimately everyone has their own individual journeys and i can't say that everyone's um journey hasn't been hasn't been uh, impactful on me because I've been able to gain all these insights into different people and also be able to put into sort of what I've come to where I am today. With the benefit of all the wisdom that you've gleaned, um, I'd love to ask you uh, what your views are on, you know, the world ahead. And when I say that, you know, you've sort of already highlighted that there are a bunch of strategies that, you know, maybe worked really well 20 years ago maybe aren't working as well now or that um, maybe are harder to execute on now. Um, I I believe we're entering a world uh, that's, you know, slightly turbulent or very turbulent and that there's a lot of uncertainty. Given all of the wisdom that you've gleaned over the last few years, where do you see investors having the greatest success in the years ahead? That might be a really hard question, but yeah, I just love your thoughts. The first thing in my experience, and I'm going to glean back on what I've done in the past as well, is education. Before jumping into any type of investment, before jumping into buying anything or doing anything with regards to the property itself, uh, I, I made sure that I put a lot of time and effort into learning first because I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the last, say, five, 10 years of investing is that even look back at all the mistakes that I've made, the biggest thing I didn't do was to actually do enough one due diligence and also understanding of how things work. Because if I had known all the information I had now as, as I stand today, 10 years, 20 years ago, I would have done a completely different strategy and a different way of actually approaching things. And it's because I, I didn't spend or put enough time into it because maybe I could, back then being a uni student, I was, I was very limited in the funds. So I couldn't spend too much time and money in going to these courses and so forth. But I think the key thing is to educate yourself because the, the thing is, is that it's easier to be able to go and speak to the people. There are plenty of people out there who are willing to sell you property. There are plenty of buyers agents. There are plenty of courses that you can go to and you know they, they will be able to offer you fantastic deals. They're, in, they're everywhere around you. Every single day, there's an opportunity. I can guarantee you that and I've seen that you know in my whole journey. But the thing that makes it different for anyone is if you don't have a clear strategy and you don't have clear goals, you don't know what you're planning to do on that path of your property investment journey, it's very easy just to fall into the trap and just buying everything and anything that you see. It's like chasing after a shiny object and I fall into that trap many times. You know, I've seen that happen in everything I do. You know, I see something that looks amazingly brand new, it's shiny and it's going to do the wonders for my business like a new tool and stuff. I'll go and buy it because it, it works really well but then once you actually get over all that glee and all that excitement, you realize, oh, is that tool actually necessary? Do I really need that? And it's the same thing with property. You got to un- ask yourself, if you go and buy, say, 10 properties and then after that, you realize, hold on, that's actually not the strategy that I was wanting. I actually want cash flow, but I don't want capital growth. Then, you know, you, you spent all that time doing it. So, I think the key thing is, is one, seek assistance and guidance from an educator who doesn't have any biased opinion about which type of property you buy because that's the key thing. There are a lot of people out there educating and saying, you know, I'll educate you and I'll provide you a wealth plan and so forth but I'll also recommend you to buy this property. I would try and stay away from those type of people um, and I think 
that's that's where my sort of I guess experience comes in because at the end of the day, you want that particular educator to be just independent and advice. And, and by seeking that independent advice, you'll have a very unbiased point of view and they'll look at what your situation is. So that's that's one thing, education. Second thing is make sure you have a clear plan and goals set in place. If you have that, then laying out and implementing the plan is going to be very, very easy because if you don't know where you're heading, it's like you know driving down the road with your blinkers on and you know looking in the review mirror. You're definitely going to be crashing into something <laughs> so it's the same thing with property if you don't have a clear direction and vision you're going to definitely hit into something and you'll get to a point go gosh i don't know what to do next and that's what usually happens once people buy five six ten properties and they hit a, a i guess a position where they can't borrow more money or they don't know what to do next um that's where the plan comes in place to be able to help you move forward and, and then i guess finally surround yourself with a really good team that's key and i i, I always being growing up in a family who's always reliant on doing things themselves, my father always did his own stuff in, in his business. He never seemed to rely too many people because he just thought that people weren't achieving what he wanted to achieve. Uh, I've learned completely opposite because the fact is is that without the right people in place and, and trustworthy people that you've got to work with, um, you just can't do the property journey alone. Like property itself has so many components from managing the property to buying the property to you know helping you sell the property even to, to the stage of actually managing the finances speaking to your accountant speaking with the legal team all that all that requires expertise and advice and if you can tap into the right or really really good trustworthy resources like those people then you really really will be able to have a, a great you know i guess foundation to be able to move forward and i can tell you between selena and myself we we have a very strong team around us that actually we go back to like trust advisors and also very very good um people who can actually provide us with the different perspectives because ultimately it'd be your choice or your decision at the end of the day when you actually go out to invest and not you know the people that you actually rely on those yes you get advisors but ultimately you've got to take that advice and then make your own decision so that's that's something i i think is key before you jump in and start investing and buying any property. That was gold, Tyrone. I really appreciate and, and agree with everything that you're saying there. I think um, just a, a last question that I've got, which I think would be of great interest to everyone listening, is over the last 12 to 18 months, you've really personally honed in on you know one particular strategy that you believe to be very effective in the market. I wonder if you could just explain what it is and why that's where you landed. Given everything that you've ingested over the last few years with all the strategies and all the experts, you've become master at one particular strategy and I'd love to get some insight into into that. Well, let me tell you a story behind and how I got there because that was sort of frame why I've gone down because I could easily tell you what the strategy is and people will go, yeah, that sounds really great and sexy and all. <laughs> but it's not as, as uh, simple as that because you've, you've got to get to that point and hence the reason why every interview I've done, I actually wanted to actually go back to where people have started because then it actually shows all the learned lessons and reveals you know how they got there because it's great to get to where I am now and I'm really, really happy where I am. We're in a really good place. But to get to that point took a lot of time and I remember when I was much younger and I think probably a good five to ten years I was reading through Rich Dad Poor Dad's book by Robert Kiyosaki which I think a lot of people have heard and you know one thing he said is the key thing that resonated with me is to remember about using the compounding effect or compound interest and what I tried to do was go out to the market and, and just try and find a place where I could just plop my money and put you know some money in there and try and get like a 10% return 
you know, if I could get 20, it would be fantastic, which is what, you know, Robert says in his book, sometimes it's possible to get that over in the States and so forth. But everywhere I looked, I couldn't find it. I, I only found like 5%, 6% and so forth. Interestingly enough, after a period of time, I found another, um, I guess you can say fund, you can say, uh, which unfortunately, uh, which at that time was fantastic because I was thinking it was rep- providing about 10% return per annum. So I, I invested into that, you know, just put maybe about 10K or something like that when I was younger back in university days, which was a lot of money for me and thinking, yep, great, you know, I'll get a monthly payment and also get uh, monthly, uh, get, get the payment, the principal back at the end of the term, which was a 12-month term. Unfortunately, after about three months, that fund went bust. It was actually a, a, a development that was a shopping center out towards you know Western Sydney this way, and unfortunately, yeah, I lost all my money in that one too. So it is it is possible to find the deals, but you've also got to look around and do your due diligence because I basically was just sold on the fact that it was a high return, but I didn't do my research enough, and, and that's where I kind of got stuck. Now going back or going forward, maybe a decade later. I was doing the podcast, I was introduced to a lot of guests and as you know, interviewing so many people, you meet so many, I guess, potential opportunities as well too and I work with coaches and so forth and they'd always refer me to people and one of my, my, my trusted coach or advisor, she actually referred me to a, a good friend of hers and also a, a, for me, it was also a very, very well-known successful developer in the space. He was actually a uh, renovated developer and she said, look, it would be great for you to team up with her, with him because he's got expertise in the development space. He knows what to do to you know, subdivide land, do renovations on houses and then sell and so forth. You've got a, a fantastic group of lenders or, or investors who are ready to, I guess, put money into joint venture deals. And you know, because we did have a lot of people who were interested in actually doing JVs, um, I basically put the deal together and I had a JV partner myself to facilitate it and then you know, uh, the developer to actually do the subdivision. And this first development was my first, you know, foray into property development itself, like literally to buy a property, subdivide it into one into two and then renovate the front. And this was up in Palm Woods in Queensland. Now, it, it all started, you know, really, really well, really rosy and the investor was very happy because it was getting updates and so forth and everything was running on track and on time. And this was back in 2019, April 2019 to be exact, that's when we purchased the property and it was anticipated to be all done by about nine months, maximum 12 months or so. Um, we got to about month six, month seven or so and we started hitting some roadblocks because the council was delaying the subdivision, um, getting all, all that kind of paperwork done was just taking a lot longer and by about month nine to about month 10, we actually had the property finished renovated, minimal cost and we're looking to anticipate to make a nice profit on top of what we thought the profit was, an extra 100k and because the market was booming up there, it was looking fantastic and we thought, great, you know, we could definitely sell and put on the market. But due to all the delays in council, we can get our titles and so forth. And by about month 12, which was April 2020, um, I don't know if I should put drum roll in here, but uh, everyone I think knows uh, COVID, the pandemic hit. And unfortunately, uh, as soon as we put it on the market, it basically it just went like crickets. Absolutely no one actually wanted to come and see it because everyone was in lockdown, everyone was scared and they didn't know what to do. So that particular property just sat on the market and we literally took it off just for a couple months just to see what would happen and everyone wasn't even sure what was going to happen. So in the end, after about an extra 12 months later, we literally sold that property back in April 2021. We didn't make any money on that as a developer and a joint venture partner, a joint venture myself. 
the investor got his money back because he had a fixed return. So we said, no matter what would happen, we'd pay you regardless. So if we have to put money out ourselves, we would. Luckily, we didn't have to. There's still a bit of money left and we paid out whatever the return was. And that kind of explained to me, wow, you know, anything can happen in development. And especially with the pandemic that just threw the spanner in the works, it changed the trajectory of how this potential property development could work. Now, luckily, at that same point in time, because I was not just doing just one deal, I was doing multiple deals at the same time, I was able to jump into another particular deal, which was down in Victoria, um, in Roeville. And this was also referred to me by my coach who jumped, uh, offered me a position to, I guess, or not position, but uh, an investment opportunity to jump in there at about, um, yeah, it was about, I think, November 2021, or sorry, 2020. And in that point in time, uh, he said to me, look, you just need to put in a, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which we did with another investor. And the reason why he needed that money at that point in time was because one of his relatives, unfortunately, passed away. It, it just happened all of a sudden. And he was literally selling two weeks time and he needed money very quickly. So, I was able to pull that together and help him. So, that was an interesting one. I went into that one, three into one, so one into four lot subdivision down in, in Roeville, Victoria. And after that period of time, about six months or so, the developer called me and guess what he said to me around about April 2020 as well too. What's that? He said to me, look, Tyrant, um, I know pandemic's hit, you know, it, it's a challenging time, but I've got a, a fantastic offer for you. Another developer wants, wants to buy us out and he said, look, I'll pay you whatever, you know, we were supposed to be promised for 12 months. I'll pay you that, you know, in April, which is literally six months. And true to his word, he came back to me and we got literally paid out at that point in time. And guess what? That was my first deal that was successful that was in alternative investment space where I just lent my money out and I got a fixed return in, in basically a lending space. So at that point in time, I could see the two differences between doing a property development versus doing just lending money out as, as a lender or you know as an investment and just having a fixed return, which gave me more confidence to say, okay, I'm going to fix my term rather than say in for 12 months, 18 months for whatever the development is, I only go in for that short period of time. And that's kind of where it led me into this path of looking at alternative strategies. And, and since then, I've done multiple of these, done more than a dozen, actually about 15 now, 15 or 20 of these type of deals over the last almost 18 months as well too. And it's been phenomenally, phenomenally um, organically grown so, so successfully that we've, as I said to you at the beginning of the podcast, if the deal's so good, people will come, the money will just come. And, and that's literally what's happened, the organic growth of it, it without too much... Um, I haven't done really any promotion except just share it with my database and share it on the podcast. Things have turned out phenomenally well. So that's kind of where the background story is where I've landed to and now all my focus is at this point in time is to, I guess, find deals that, that make up really, really good returns and, and just keep growing the capital and, and keep compounding that capital. And if you can do this every six months, every 12 months, you know, in a very good return anywhere in the vicinity of 20 percent upwards um, you can grow your capital very very quickly which is what i've been able to do and in a very short space of time you know i've got a lot of my capital deployed generating income and working very very hard for me what do you see as the future for you you personally like with this podcast is it is it going to change shape or you know how has the last 18 months shaped your worldview of wealth and wealth building I've always been true to the podcast in the sense that we had a vision that we initially started is to say, look, everything that we do is to help and inspire and to provide amazing stories of property investors to the listeners. You know, and that, that's always been the goal. And my, my goal was to impact a mean listeners, which I've done already, which is fantastic. 
and you know for them to be able to hear amazing stories i as i said to you at the beginning we did it because i was really really keen and, and had a strong interest to learn from others now for me it's all about sharing amazing stories so people can also learn and you know get involved in and just even take their get their start on their journey because as we know, there's only a very small percentage of the Australian population that are investing into property and even though property is sort of a pastime, a lot of people like to talk about it, not many people are very, very knowledgeable in it and even though there's a lot of experts in the market who say they are good at it, there may be also some other people who are not so good at it. So that, that's why I think I just wanted to show to people through real conversations, real stories that a lot of people have succeeded but also you can learn from the you know mistakes and lessons and at the same time maybe leapfrog ahead so you don't have to make those kind of same mistakes and and that's what i've learned you know i i was initially buying a lot of property when i was starting and um subleasing and so forth like that but that strategy didn't work for me because i was only focused on cash flow but now what i'm learning about is to focus on building the capital which is future generation wealth and then eventually turning that i guess capital base into future income which is also what I'm doing as well too. So that that's kind of the future of what I'm doing at this point in time is to continue to do that, build up a nice base, and then I guess first and foremost for me is really you know support my family, ensure that they they've got a financially um, yes stable, and then I guess to help also all the listeners and share more and more of these kind of stories and love to have more guests on the show. You know I guess that that won't change. I just love what I do in terms of the podcast. Thank you to Selena Kilkani for joining me to discuss my personal investment journey and the podcast past, present and future on this special episode of Property Investory. I hope you liked it and if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short 6 months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe Ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.